Welcome to the Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 109. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and with me, as always, is David Estrella. Where we drop in gamers. We're dropping four blocks at a time, just into this little box, and uh, we're going to... Hey, wait a second. It's building... It actually is building up. It is. You're yeah. building up, but building wow. up is a failure condition. That's true. <laughs> you don't. You actually don't want to build a tower straight up and then just right. sit on top and snipe because then you will die in Tetris 99, recently announced and then released on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, people are big now on that like announce and release at the same time. Yeah, dude, the Sega Saturn like was way ahead was of its time. <laughs> I was about to say the same exact thing. You know, always you know count on Sega to be way ahead of their time. Yeah, they were they were too good, right? Like people didn't people didn't buy yeah. it, but too young and beautiful to live, really. That's right. Uh, yeah, so we are uh, we're we're doing a sort of sort of old fashioned podcast, kind of gamers. Yeah, you know, back to our roots. Uh, so we've been ha- doing a lot of episodes with like guests and stuff, picking a, a big yeah. topic and talking about it. We just did our best of 2018 episode. And uh, this time we're going to just talk about some news and some games and anime that David and I have been up to. Haven't really Man. updated on that in a little bit. Jeez, because certainly things do not stop happening in 2019. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So actually, let's let's jump right into some of the news here. Let's talk about something good for a moment. <laughs> that's right. The one good thing on this hellscape of an Earth is the Nintendo Directs, in which all the people who are like, uh, you know, the game industry, it's just this big, uh, this big, you know, meat grinder just destroys de- developers' lives and, uh, like, uh, loot boxes, whatever. Like, everyone's so cynical about games. And Nintendo shows up and they're like, hey, did you know there's another Mario game? And people are like, oh, my God, <laughs> games are the best thing ever made. That was, that's a shocker, actually. They didn't, they, uh, they ported a Wii U title earlier with the, this uh, new Super Mario Brothers for the Wii U Deluxe or whatever the hell it was called. Uh, yeah, it's, you know it's, the one I'm talking about. It just has a million like subtitles it, at the end of a it. Useless. Yeah, it is like the most useless title ever. But they did not announce a port of Super Mario Maker. They announced a whole new Super Mario Maker called Super Mario Maker Two, not Super Mario Maker for the Nintendo Switch. Thankfully, right. thank God. <laughs> Uh, wow, that one looks pretty neat. I definitely own Super Mario Maker and never opened it from the plastic for like five months. So I'm definitely excited to try out Super Mario Maker 2 on my Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I have never played Super Mario Maker. I didn't really keep up with it because I didn't it have a Wii good. U. And I just like I saw people say that it was really good. But I was like, oh, I'm never I'm not I don't have a Wii U. I'm not going to have a Wii U. So I'm just not going to play this. Uh, so I definitely want to pick it up on switch i mean i i really just want the switch to be a here's all the games you didn't play on the wii u machine for sure yeah i'm still i'm still waiting on my tokyo mirage sessions but oh that's like the super anime fire emblem uh, shin megami tensei kinda, game, right? yeah <laughs> I, I mean i played that one on the wii u but then i i sold my wii u to go buy some itunes cards for fgo so <laughs> sad sad times <laughs> That sucks so bad. That sucks a lot. But you know what doesn't suck? A Link's Awakening remake. Yeah, so this is another one where I have not played the original game, but it's oh, much Evan. more embarrassing, David. Because it's this so embarrassing. Is, because I bought Link's Awakening I'm on so 3DS 
on like the virtual console just never touched it i don't remember why like i think i just had other games i was playing and i was like i'm buying this and then i'm gonna come back and play it and i just like didn't come back and play it that's i mean that sucks because i definitely played that game a lot but it's one of those games where i play up until the last dungeon and then never finish on every version of it that i've owned so (laughs) dude wait i forgot i think i've mentioned this on the show but i i I'll just I'll, I'm going to call this a big confession, even though I might have confessed this in the past. I have never finished a link to the past because I got up to Ganon and I just like couldn't beat him. And this was like as a maybe as a college student. And it's like I should have been good enough to beat Ganon. But for some reason, I just couldn't beat him. And I was like, that is a crazy dungeon. That one. It was Ganon specifically, though, like not the dungeon. Yeah. It was it was specifically like I couldn't beat the final boss. And I was just like, well, whatever. I played most of the game. I've effectively beaten A Link to the Past. <laughs> I just I feel that way. I don't actually like A Link to the Past that much. I like just, it. Uh, uh, not, not for me. But yeah, like that last dungeon is definitely a killer. I don't blame you for not finishing it. Aside from having to put up with it for like the entirety of it, really. <laughs> I think it's a good game, but I definitely like yeah. the like you know ocarina of time and majora's mask i like better but it's i don't know it's like one of my favorite zelda games i'd say i definitely enjoyed it a lot link link's awakening is like when you're too cool for ocarina of time or majora's mask or wind waker or really any of like the 3d zeldas when you like want to say like what's the best zelda and you know you don't think link to the past is any good but link's awakening oh man that one has a that one, that one's really special because it has a lot of character, and it's like a very early Game Boy game as well. Mm-hmm. It's like what ninety one or something. Yeah, it was, like that? It it was came out black like and white, really right? Early. Yeah, it came out first in black and white, and then they made the uh, the color one for Game Boy Color. Right, right. Which, which I, I think had like an extra dungeon as well. Played none of these, but I've always wanted to play it. It's kind of, isn't it? It's got a whole like sort of maybe dream sequence sort of thing going on in it where it's like uh link yep wakes up on this like island well, that may or may not you don't want to you don't want to give away too much <laughs> i yeah i it's been it, a long yeah you know it's been long enough i think for people it's been like 30 years but yeah it, it always seemed to me from what i had heard about it to, to be like kind of reminiscent of majora's mask in the sense that it's like all right let's get out of hyrule and let's do this like whole new kind of environment which seems really cool yeah, which is like, you know, that's a, I think that's Zelda often that's most exciting when they decide, like, yeah. it's not going to be one of those Hyrule stories. This is going to be its own thing. Yeah. Also, we do have to talk about the anime intro they did for it. And then it turns yeah. out that they're not, there's, there's no anime. Maybe there's going to be some anime in the game. But it was like, <laughs> it looked kind of cool. And it had the link in that kind of like old, it's sort of like the Link to the Past style artwork, right? Where he's got the big like tuft of hair. Mm, to me, it like reminded me more of just the kind of animation that they were doing when the game originally came out, because like it's got like scratchy lines and stuff. Yeah, and I think yeah. I, that was more of a thing that people would do uh, in that era. I guess I'm just thinking his character design. There's a particular character design that gets used in like uh, in A Link to the Past and in the A Link Between Worlds, which is like a sequel to it, right? Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. that kind of like very. He's like kind of thin and tall and has like the, like the big poofy. poofy hair yeah 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 i like yeah. that design for link yeah but yeah i really hope there's some of that it turns out the actual art in the game is all like very cutesy and link has dot eyes which i actually really like it's like this very cartoony oh, look looks, yeah it looks great visually i think that's like 
it's it's funny because I just finished playing the Resident Evil 2 remake and you can recognize just from like how uh just like the scenery like oh yeah this is absolutely Link's Awakening it's like that I had that same feeling with Resident Evil 2 even with just the crazy advancements mm. in like the in in the graphics and all that it still feels very much at its core like oh this is the game I played like 10 years ago uh so there's there's a couple other announcements from the direct. There was not a lot of like super big stuff. I feel like like some of these are, are relatively big. I don't know. I expected like some of them you already knew about. Yeah, like, I Fire I, I definitely you know you sometimes expect to get like a giant like a new Zelda game or something kind of announcement. But it was well, we it did, was mostly we did get a new Zelda eh, remake. Game. We got a new a Zelda remake. game and a Mario. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm also waiting to hear what the announcement is for that one that I think Miyamoto said is like a new franchise or something that's going to make everyone happy. And I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. What could that possibly yeah. mean? I just, I just imagine he's saying like that with like a bit of menace as well. Yeah, yeah that's like, right. oh, You're going to be happy or else. I think someone in our discord was saying like, well, the, the human instrumentality project is coming. <laughs> so there was a new, they, they announced details on the new fire emblem game, which I think they had teased before fire emblem three houses oh what was it it was like a font and a background right. and that's all they had <laughs> yeah so basically they just they are doing like a shonen power creep on the number of families in fire emblem in the previous mainline fire emblem game which was birthright and or what was that uh fates, fates. Or the birthright and conquest conquest i never finished yeah. those games but that had like the two different houses with the two different games. So now this one has three houses. But it's like it's a continent that's divided with like by three houses. So like one feels like uh, it's just a bunch of rich nobles <laughs> like they've made their own little house. Mm-hmm. The other one is like the kind of traditional like you know this is just a kingdom, and the other one looks like more uh, like joined together by religion or something like that. Mm. Cause it's called like the Holy house of whatever fire emblem name it had. But these three houses have a school apparently. And now you're a teacher, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're really, they're really going for the anime on this one. Anime Hogwarts. Exactly. Is what people are saying. Yeah. It's just gonna like, eventually these games are just going to become persona, right? Well, it, it does. It looks incredibly like persona i don't know who the artist is now but it's i don't think it's the same character designer from before because this one has like the very like wide-eyed persona eyes with like the like the little tiny dot of a pupil and it's like that that's very much a uh, persona kind of design yeah they did kind of look to me like like some of the persona designs and i i don't know who the designer is on it but yeah i don't i I think i heard it's not yusuke kozaki anymore the designer from awakening and fates no, because he's got a very, uh, also just like very familiar style. Yeah. Like if you saw it, you'd know it was him. I'm I'm calling it now, right? Like the next step of Fire Emblem or maybe the step after it is just like not even, there's not even battles anymore. It's just school. <laughs> and it's just, it's just like fantasy high school. People are very mixed on that, aren't they? Where like they like the kind of Fire Emblem from like the Game Boy era where it's, you know, it's that hardcore permadeath sort of like you screw up six chapters ago and you have to like do the whole game again because you were like missing the one unit that could help you get through the battle. 
And then there's the other people where it's like Awakening was the thing that they discovered Fire Emblem through, where it's like, this is the one that really grabbed them. I don't know, though. There's, and there's people to like that. me where the where Awakening is like a good mix, because that was the first Fire Emblem game I played, and it was like, oh, this is great. It's got like some of this oh, kind was... of relationship stuff <laughs> and this tactical role-playing game kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they are leaning more into the former as they go and i was like oh i thought it was a good mix it was like a really good yeah. like you know the, it balanced those two very well i'm actually replaying awakening right now and i didn't realize how much i cared about the characters like i saw them again for the first time in a few years and i'm like oh oh it's you <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's you oh my old friends they're, they're all my yeah. children i love all of them yeah yeah, because they're really they're really good. I don't know. It was like Awakening was a very very high step up from what they were doing before. I think, and I don't really think that we need to go back to the way that Fire Emblem used to be. But hey, that's my opinion. I actually didn't like Fire Emblem until I played Awakening. Mm. Like I played through most like Sacred Stones. I got through all of it except for like the last last boss, like like the last unit on that last <laughs> map, and I just could not do it. And, Honestly, I don't remember most of uh, the characters from Fates. Like, what their personalities again, were. You didn't anything. finish yeah. it. <laughs> you didn't give it time. Which one did you play first? Birthright, which was boring. Birthright was allegedly the easy one. Conquest is like, that's the hard well, one. Well, yeah, the thing is, Birthright got really boring because all of the maps, like, they didn't have much strategy to them. It was just like, okay, here, yeah. just go fight some guys. Yeah. That was a that was a very common complaint for it, wasn't it? It's like the maps were uninteresting. But I think I heard conquest maps were more interesting. Oh, I heard that was brutal. But it was though. hard. Like, I don't yeah, know if you yeah. survived that. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, so then, yeah, the I think the third one we were going to talk about here, which I played a little bit of, is Tetris ninety nine. We referenced it before. Mm. The Tetris Battle Royale game. It's very minimally battle royale. It is basically, as far as I can tell from playing it a little bit. I mean, it's, it is just Tetris, but like the sort of Tetris versus thing where you can, you know, when you get like combos, it adds blocks to the other person's, like the bottom of their screen. But I guess you, there's like a mechanic where you can kind of target other players. And there's a hundred players, you know, it's sort of battle royale style and they're all playing Tetris, but you can choose like who your penalty goes to when you get those bonuses and there might be some other mechanics that I haven't figured out yet, but it does seem like basically it's just like Tetris with that versus mechanics, except you're playing against like a ton of people and you get like a ranking at the end. Right. So I got, what'd you get number 21 and then number 46 on the the two. Evan's good at Tetris. Evan's apparently good at Tetris. I'd say I am semi-decent at Tetris, but I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bad. Uh, to be honest like <laughs> i really i really want to play this now like i really like tetris uh i do fancy myself being pretty good at tetris but also you know i'm not gonna pay i don't want I, i'm still salty about the whole nintendo online thing mainly because like i can't play splatoon 2 anymore right. after having so, bought the game yeah i I don't know. It's just it's it's more bribes, I think, when like they come up with something like Tetris ninety nine. Yeah, and and we tested this because I thought it might be playable without the online subscription because Fortnite is playable yeah. without the subscription, and it's like they're both free to play games, so you don't actually need to buy the game. But uh, it's not. Yeah, it's different from Fortnite. You actually do need the subscription. 
I think it's like a deal that they made with Fortnite and some other third-party developers to make it possible to play without the subscription. Because Fortnite is like, it lives and dies by kids being able to pick it up without their parents giving them their credit card, right? Right. I mean, there's the, there's the whole meme where like, oh, I, don't, I couldn't even recite it to you because it's just been like, per, the permutations on that thing have been like made it irrecognizable but like that that is pretty much the joke just kids taking money from their parents to go buy Fortnite loot boxes or whatever the heck they're right their paid transaction thing but if the if the kids couldn't play Fortnite until they took their parents credit card then Fortnite would not be as easy for kids to pick up and start playing right it kind of relies yeah. on that that easy kind of uh, introduction so that's like that's the good video game news that's the, that's that's the stuff that everybody was happy about. Let's talk about some misery. Yeah. Um, so Activision Blizzard just had their, I guess this is the part that sounds like good news, just had like a record year. Just, uh, you know, there were record profits at the company that makes, you know, Overwatch and a million other video games. COD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overwatch and COD. And like World of Warcraft, which I don't think is doing as well, but they're still making it. I mean, that's just that's yeah. <laughs> there. Anybody that's running World of Warcraft is good. So after all of these game devs spent a year getting all these record profits for Activision Blizzard, they the company did the thing that you do when that happens, which is they laid off 800 people from the company, about 8% of their Bye-bye. workforce. Yeah, because they uh, did not make, you know, they didn't, that we hit our goals, uh, but we didn't hit our full potential as a company. Uh, so this is pretty disgusting. Yeah. A lot of people were were uh, justifiably very angry about it when this got announced, and they were announced basically like in the same earnings call or whatever, where like <laughs> it was the same breath, yeah, basically really. the same breath. Not even like just no shame at all yeah. about connecting those two. That like we made a very, record very amount much of money, like a cartoon villain we, sort of thing. We, exactly, it's like an '80s cart, like '80s uh, movie villain, right? This is the sort of thing that Scrooge has to like suffer ninety minutes for, <laughs> like meeting all these fucked up ghosts, show him what, like where he went wrong in life. Yeah, so this I think it it really does kind of put a fine point on things that people have been saying for a long time about like crunch and. Uh, and various employment practices in the the games industry this there's definitely like a practice of this kind of thing right of like after a big production or something people getting laid off or yeah after like you know the company doing very well it's like they don't reward people they just like go ah yeah see ya we gotta reorganize a little bit now not to mention like when people are working on it like i said with with crunch time uh developers working like crazy hours right sometimes you you hear stories about people working like 100 hour weeks or whatever on some of these games and it's kind of just considered part of the way the industry works right crunch is just something that people accept world right yeah oh well oh you want to work in games like you got to deal with crunch that's that's how you pay your dues you got to yeah you got to deal with not having a job once things look like they're doing going very well yeah, so I, I will say the bright side of this is that I think it's gotten even more people paying attention to folks like Game Workers Unite, who I think we talked about on a previous episode, which is a group trying to get game devs to uh, to unionize their companies, which it seems like the most obvious way to combat this kind of thing. I think it really just, it's going to come down to 
a lot of people deciding like, hey, I don't want to support Overwatch and your other products because you have bad business practices. And it never really becomes that way, you know? I don't think I agree, actually. I, like, I, I don't think that... I'd like to see, like, some changes affected by, like, you know, workers unionizing. But at the same time, you know, is anybody at Activision concerned that people are just not going to stop, suddenly stop, you know, playing Overwatch because somebody lost a job out of it? But you are certainly going to be one person less working at Activision, but then potentially, like, a hundred other cheaper hires or whatever happens in your restructure. So I I can't really imagine like a scenario where it's like there are going to be serious repercussions for doing something so publicly kind of evil. So I don't know if I agree, though, that the gamers are going to be the ones who change this just because, well, for one thing, no, they're a not. lot of they're not because they won't. They will just <laughs> right. never they will never affect a change that actually is positive and matters. But, yeah. you know, that's beside I mean, game, the point. One, for one thing, gamers like a lot of them. Gamers suck, will affect right? like changes where other like other people will lose jobs or will be run off like the industry or the Internet or whatever, you know, just like have to like go on locked accounts because you know they they send three hundred dollars worth of pizzas to their house or start harassing their relatives right so i don't have a ton of faith in that in that sort of like consumer revolt or something being able to change no, this it's that's a myth but consumer revolt but i mean <laughs> other industries have been able to do this right where you organize enough workers to unionize and to prevent people like you know what they call scabs right people who are like going around the union so like what you were saying like hiring some you know oh if the people in the union don't work then you hire somebody else right right because they know like there's definitely a market of a lot of starving want to be uh, game people devs. that yeah. want to work yeah well that and that's what's allowed them to exploit people for so long but i think the goal is to just kind of get as many people as possible involved in in organizing that and to um yeah to I, I i don't know enough about how you can enact this but there's there's ways of like getting companies in trouble for using like non-union labor right like that's that's the way that like the the actors guild does it right they're able to enforce that pretty well so that like using non-union actors is like has consequences I'm assuming actors have like way more sway than like in, an individual developer on a game, though. True, but uh, but if enough, if if like most of the professional developers are in a union, and that union can say like can deny access to those workers for some for a company that you know hires non-union workers, then that might like severely reduce their ability to like have access to good developers, that kind of thing, right? There's. I don't know. This is a tried and true thing. Like there's, there's definitely yeah. like unions that have been able to pull this off. And it feels to me like that's the strongest place for developers to work from. There will be people who are not developers who will support it, but I just don't think you're going to have people like boycott Overwatch to support the Overwatch developers or something. It's just not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, no, no. Yeah. Like people are the, the consumers of this stuff are way too selfish. And like the only way to do it is to have the workers actually do it. I'm a big supporter like of this. What, so. what was the last thing they wanted to do? It was like that Metro game got moved to the Epic Game Store after like Steam lost it or whatever. And it was like a few days before release. So I don't know. Metro probably sold like 5 million copies by now without like any anybody like even even with the the apparent outrage that 
the Metro developers were betraying Steam or or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? I actually was not following this story at all. <laughs> no, you know that Epic has a game store now, yeah. right? Like a competitor to Steam. Yep. Right, but their practice has been now to like acquire exclusives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when they sniped that Metro game, suddenly they couldn't sell it on Steam even with the pre-orders. So they're honoring those pre-orders on the oh, Epic Store, but a lot of people don't want to have to download a second game front, uh, game storefront. Right. <laughs> well, hence the apparent outrage, but I'm just, you know, that that's a very popular game. I doubt it affected anything. Right. Yeah, I just don't think the outrage really does much. Even when yeah. even when people are outraged, not to mention that they're like gamers are not likely to get outraged about like the working conditions of individual no. developers like more mostly about like pre-order bonuses <laughs> exactly. and like bugs and women writing dialogue normally that sort of thing that right they get right outraged just the really about, big yeah. important issues in games yeah right right not you know people losing their jobs in droves we got one more piece of uh news one more loser losing his job <laughs> that's right well yeah in this case somebody who uh, as as far as the allegations can uh, tell us seemingly deserves to lose his job. Well, again, I don't think he loses his job. I think he just stops getting work. So right. you know, there, there's a some some, uh, some details to go through that. So we are talking, of course, about Vic Mignogna, the anime voice actor, the English anime voice Beloved actor. voice of the Full Metal Alchemist child. That's right. Yes. The yes. Uh, Edward Elric. And uh, honestly, there have been, I, th- I think both of us have heard these rumors, right? There's been rumors like for, I don't know, at least a decade where it's just people would always kind of say like, oh, you know, yeah, he does. I don't know. It seems kind of creepy with the teenage girl fans. People would make jokes about like, like him bringing people up to his hotel room or something. Right. But like there was never any, I never, not, not at least from what I heard, I never heard any like direct accusations of anything. But there was always this kind of like vague idea that maybe Vic is up to no good, right? Um, and then basically, I I feel like, <laughs> I think for context, I think the reason why this started to happen actually is is related to another blow up about somebody who, who we actually uh, knew, like went by the name Hazukari online. So there was a whole blow oh, up. Oh God, are we giving him, are we person. giving him airtime uh, on this yeah. podcast? <laughs> it was, uh, I think even like in that sort of light, even if we're just going to shit on him. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to focus on it too much here, but basically <laughs> a lot of people made accusations against this guy and, you know, it sort of, I think did, it caused a little bit of like a reckoning in, in anime industry circles, especially a ripple effect. Like, Hey, you know, like there's a lot of this, you know, there's a lot of like abuse that's going unaddressed, especially abuse of like minors at conventions, right? Who are sort of meeting people who might be in the industry or something or sort of in the case of this other guy, like kind of uh, making it seem like they're in the industry and taking advantage of people using that sort of like clout or whatever. And uh, it sort of led back to Vic, who's like a very visible face in anime and and people basically like came out of the woodwork to be like hey you know like i i never felt comfortable talking about this but here's something that vic did to me at a convention various kinds of you know every things ranging from like pretty direct like assault to things that are 
you know, manipulating and and uh, just kind of inappropriate treatment of especially young girls. So, yeah, basically enough of it has come out now. And actually Funimation recently did a they did a They, you know, say they did an investigation internally into it and decided to not bring Vic on for any future productions. So uh, there's been a pretty toxic response online to this from both yeah. some of Vic's Hashtag fans. I stand with Vic right. or something like that. Yeah. So it's like he's got his fans who are defending him. And then there's also, of course, like, you know, internet shitheads who are using this as an opportunity to like fight the SJWs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people are, it's like, oh, well, this is all just accusations. Where's the investigation? There's been an investigation and Funimation determined they don't want to bring <laughs> the guy. Vic's case is one of those things where it's like you think it's bad and then it just spirals out and like gets worse and worse as like more people have come forward yeah. with stuff. So anybody that's still saying like, well, we got to listen to both sides is really not paying attention. Yeah, exactly. Right. Anybody that's like still kind of like just, you know, not <laughs> like, oh, I disagree with like the way that they're doing it or, you know, I, like, I feel bad for the guy because... Now he doesn't really have a chance to defend it. I was like, come on. He's done pretty much like criminal acts in private and put people in a position where they're in no way to really like defend themselves or go to somebody. You know, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And like any other predator that like it's the same sort of pattern that comes out when you hear something like this. Like they they do have a method. And they know, you know, like you're not gonna be going to anybody for help because there's no, there was, there's been no culture for that sort of thing, where somebody does something that is pretty off, and then what's the process for you? Yeah, and I think that's part of what makes people, uh, it may, you know, it's like, oh, it's like a pile on, right? And it's like, right, but that's <laughs> because like people didn't feel comfortable talking about this until they heard all these other people talking about it, and and now they're able to kind of almost like blend into this crowd a little bit right and not be this one voice just like alone making an Can, accusation yeah. which is like good right i mean that's I, it's good that people feel more comfortable to be talking about this stuff i think it is good that we are that this is happening in anime and there's been accusations as well like that i have not read as much into but s seem equally credible uh uh around another voice actor todd habercorn oh, yeah the guy that jumped in he was all like oh i was the other guy in this story who did some terrible thing but and then he tried to like defend himself mm -hmm. like he was he was like trying to get one step ahead of the curve before anybody found out that it was like him that was i'm not even sure what that story was but they're kind of blending together what was it it was like to be honest, they sometimes blended together for me before there were any accusations. <laughs> These two yeah, guys. Yeah, it was like I think it was like I think it was um I think it was in this case it was like a voice like a like an upcoming voice actress and she's like speaking to Vic or something mm -hmm. or speaking to Todd and then it's always like oh well we'll get you a role or whatever you know just uh, just gets worse from there. Yeah. So anyway, uh, on the bright side, I think the anime industry is finally talking about this. And I, I really hope part of what comes out of this is conventions have a, a, a big part in this, I think, in terms of kind of creating a safe 
space for like especially minors who are coming to these conventions right and like the conventions are the that's where the, a lot of this stuff is happening and it's it's that's the glue that brings together these like powerful you know relatively powerful within this community figures and you know young people who are kind of vulnerable and it kind of is like placing them in this situation where it's very easy for someone to take advantage of someone and i, I would hope that convention organizers are thinking about ways of you know being more cognizant of um of like who they're inviting and providing ways for people to uh make these accusations known to the convention right so that they're aware of when these things are happening i'm not even sure if most of these con organizers have, like before this have had good policies in place for like well what happens when some sort of thing like some sort of event happens at at the con Right, and how do how, how like do you, even for minor how do you make stuff. your attendees feel like they can bring it up to you and not just like whisper about right. it to their friend, right? And a lot of the people working at cons, what they're volunteers, mm -hmm. they're not. It it does it does seem like they just there is a very shaky structure in general at at cons, where a lot of it is kind of kept together by the scenes. Yeah, it's like just. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I just having run a convention before, like, I don't think we had any structures for that. Like, they, like if a guest, if a guest did anything like this to an attendee, we would have just relied on the attendee bringing it up to us directly, which they very well might not be comfortable doing because they might be like, oh, well, right. these people running the convention are like in the interest of protecting this guest. Right. So they're not going to take me seriously or something. Right. There was no structure set up. There was no like place for them to go or person for them to talk to or like an anonymous way for them to submit a complaint or something. Yeah. I think in the worst case, they'll just be like, just talk to the cops. Don't talk right, to us. Right. Just like, we are not liable for whatever happens to you. All right. Well, that's it for <laughs> the, the heavy stuff. Jesus. I like, I was kind of like, ah, are you sure? <laughs> Look, it's you know, it's in the air. Everybody's talking about it. It's worth worth bringing up. So let's talk about some uh, stuff that we've been up to. A little little lighter here. David, you're playing the Resident Evil 2 remake that everybody has been talking Dude. about. Oh my god, the Resident Evil 2 remake. I've hurt my hands actually very recently playing that game because of the tension <laughs> and just the stiffness at which I have to hold that controller. I mean, it doesn't help that the run, because, like, a lot of the games are now, a lot of third-person action games are, like, click the left control stick to run. I don't like that, like, that setup. And, like, hold it, like, yeah, hold it down. And it's, like, you really notice after, like, 12 hours of straight playing that it's not good for your thumb. So my thumbs have been killing me. Uh, I'm pretty okay now. I don't know if I want to, like, hop right back in. But, yeah, man. Wow, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh... It kind of caught me by surprise when they announced that one. That was that was the one that was one that's like on Final Fantasy VII level of being requested for a remake, uh, especially after that GameCube Resident Evil remake had come out like six years after the original Resident Evil, and people were really impressed by the uh, the quality, like the step up in quality in in the graphics in that, especially like like the lighting, because it's all to me that was like all an effort of the art design. So people were saying like, well, you know, the next gen consoles are capable of doing such a beautiful game. Why not do Resident Evil 2? And Resident Evil 2 is the one with like the best reputation probably of all the Resident Evils up until 4. 
where four is like the whole like evolution of games yeah. and third person action games you know like you had your gears of war after that and you know from then on you know it's all history <laughs> all um, history derives from resident evil 4 yeah yeah <laughs> um so resident evil 2 it to me that is it, they were asking people for a lot to have waited over 20 years for this remake but now that it's actually here it's pretty excellent it plays like resident evil 4 with a lot of the advancements that had come out afterwards unfortunately with like a lot of games like this when they get remade and they stick very close to like the original frame of stuff like you saw this i think in like the metal gear solid remake for gamecube where they put in like a lot of the advancements from metal gear solid 2 in it and in effect it made the game a lot easier because you could see first you see in first person just like very carefully aim mm. um right because it's like the, the game is balanced for the original mechanics not for the new ones yeah everything was made for you know that hardware and the way it was done there so even though resident evil 2 is super super close to the original like it's very very faithful to the way it was done there i still had so i haven't had moments like this where it's like i'm feeling the stress and the tension of being locked in this place with all of these zombies the zombies in here are really tough and it's it, it it's like you you down something and you don't actually kill it, it like it just comes back to life like a zombie it, was that in there's the original? so much gaminess kind of like they go down but it's very like telegraphed like they go down but they're not dead mm -hmm. yet the Original Resident Evil's always had like the blood, uh, like the blood puddle that would form on the corpse when you knew it was dead, and you could just advance without the thing grabbing your feet. Um, but there's not, you don't get like the very obvious telltale signs, like okay, I'm done. Like maybe if you blew its head off, and it's like okay, now it's obviously dead. But those opening moments of Resident Evil Two, it's just it is so. It it it, it the developers on this were very very aware that people were desperate to play this and they wanted to be surprised and at the same time kind of feel very familiar with it so even though like i'm up against like one zombie i got like bitten three times i think by the first zombie that i found just because i could not manage it like i just all of my practice had gone right out the window and the guns that first pistol that you start out with feels very powerless against this thing so like every zombie just feels like its own kind of boss puzzle thing to work around until you get something better the gore effects on that are just it's too real the whole game is actually just too real because there's a sewer level in that thing and is disgusting there there's mountains of poop <laughs> oh all God. over the game uh, with the, when when you no, when you run into I'm the not, um, i don't want that i don't want yeah, to play yeah. a game with mountains of poop it, it, they they, they kind of you kind of whoever was working on resident evil 7 is also a, a freak because that one was very much about bodily functions <laughs> uh once you once you figure some stuff out uh and resident evil 2 i think kind of takes from that where it it's just it's a lot more real and gross and really really pushes the envelope for <laughs> what i'm willing to tolerate but at the same time you know that's just that's just resident evil now so, Evan, have you ever actually played a Resident Evil game? Because you kind of look like the <laughs> person who does not play Resident Evil games for, like, some reason. I played four, but I never finished it. And I I Ooh. do not play Resident Evil games for some reason. And the reason is I don't like horror very much. Ah. 
right. I see where you're So, like, that includes now. horror movies and horror games. You get scared. Sort of. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the. Ex- I don't like the experience <laughs> of, like, yeah. I guess getting scared. Like, I'm. <laughs> it's hard to say, right? Because it's like I'm not like a child who who like where it actually makes me scared <laughs> in real life. But I just yeah. don't like that experience no, of I, like that that tension in the game where I'm like, Ugh. I get it. Yeah. I actually, I think, I, like the older I've gotten, I like horror movies less, which is weird. But I make, I like, I make a a big pat, like, I'll I'll make a I'll make an exception for for the Resident Evil series because I've just been playing that one for so long, and the first Resident Evil really really freaked me out because I was like nine when I played that. I think. Yeah. I was like very very young. i would have been super freaked out as a kid i mean i got scared by like the Dodo- i got scared I by the dongo's yeah, cavern I, in ocarina of time so i wasn't like also like i was i just wasn't used to that sort like that sort of you know you're not able to be good at the game in a way until you've mm-hmm. learned a few things i most games that i played at that point was like you can very quickly start learning it and getting good at it to the point where midway through you're very comfortable. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably my favorite thing about Resident Evil 2. It's just it never lets you get too cozy. All right. Yeah, I guess I'll just say the only game in that genre that I've ever really played and like finished and really liked is The Walking Dead. But that's like... Oh, that's different. like... yeah. <laughs> Eh, that's a that's a little bit different. I don't like the zombie parts of The Walking Dead. I like the sort of drama parts of it. So I actually have also been playing a game. Lots of gamers in here. It's you know that's the the part of the name actually. Believe it or not, the Annie Gamers. Another a very topical game. I played a little bit. I have been very busy. I haven't had time to go back to it. I played a little bit of Apex Legends, the new oh. Overwatch battle royale sort of thing that everyone's been talking that, about that sort of like game that really feels like somebody was just given an assignment to make <laughs> yeah. like a hero shooter battle royale thing that will kill the other competitors yeah okay it's actually pretty decent i'd say i know some people it's like a little controversial some people like love it or hate it i i'll say like the description that i give of it is like i think that's actually like very accurate to it in that like like it's not just me being flippant it really does play like overwatch battle royale like it feels like you're playing like PUBG, but your characters have overwatch powers right so they've got sort of like these skills that you can it do it kind of also it also looks like it wants to go for that overwatch ish aesthetic sort of but here's the thing it's like trying to thread the needle between them so it's sort of like a more realistic military shooter see i like that's just the more you tell me about it, like the more put off I am. It's a, a game that doesn't want to decide between the two halves that it wants to be. Yeah, because it has these like semi goofy character designs, but they're still semi realistic, you know, military shooter characters. So it's not going for that cartoon thing that Overwatch is doing. And also, I, I don't think it's, I don't think that's necessarily bad. By the way, I it, I don't like the characters nearly as much as I like the Overwatch characters, but. I, I think the idea of applying those kind of powers and like the, the kind of class type thing, right? Where you've got these characters who kind of focus on like a healer or a tank or whatever. I think that 
is pretty cool to put that into a battle royale format. But my issue is that part of what that class based team shooter thing does for me is that I'm not very good at shooters. And so it gives me other ways, other strategies that I can use. Yeah, you keep on playing these shooting games, but you're still like just not. Good I mean, I like shooting games. Shooters. <laughs> I have historically not played a lot of like online competitive shooting games because I'm bad at them. And so, like, I can do pretty well in a uh, single player campaign. But <laughs> when I play against other humans, I mostly just die. So in Overwatch, though, I like I can get by, right? I can I I can use other powers and things, and even if I'm not great at shooting, I can help the team win. In Apex Legends, while I do enjoy it, because it's a battle royale game, it's not like Overwatch where it's like some characters, you know, like like Reinhardt has got his like axe or whatever, right? The characters all start with no weapons and they pick up the same weapons in the environment as everybody else. So they play very similarly, but they just have some different powers. So even if you're the healer, you still have to be like in firefights just like everybody else. So in that sense, it does make it a little bit difficult for me because I'm like, I just want to heal people. Oh, no, I have to like, you know, run into a room and headshot someone within the first like half second of seeing them, which I just can't do. <laughs> uh, maybe it's time to go back to Tetris. <laughs> which I'm also not good at. Uh, yeah, but I, I here's what I'll, I'll just say about the character designs, uh, which uh, <laughs> I think I said this to somebody while I was playing it. It's. It's a little bit like they're, they're like semi goofy, but they're also like all a little bit grimdark. So it does a little bit feel like someone played Overwatch and they were like, what if we made the whole game out of the Reaper? <laughs> like there's at least two characters who feel just like like different aspects of Reaper turned into a character <laughs> on the plus side, though. They so this is EA making it and uh, it's respawn. So it's the it's the dev that makes Titanfall, which I didn't mention. It's in the Titanfall universe, but mm. doesn't have the the mechs from Titanfall. They obviously are paying attention to like where the winds are blowing in sort of gaming community, because I remember people were criticizing Overwatch for being like, "Where's like the black women in Overwatch?" Right? And they're like, "Hey, check mm. it out! Two black women at launch in our initial set of characters," and is at least one gay character possibly two boom there's a non-binary character there's like yeah yeah like <laughs> get out of here gamers you stupid yeah. stupid like you know complain now yeah these like anti-sjw gamers or whatever here you go like we have like a very yeah. diverse cast so i do like that that's like i mean like it's so silly that like the games like overwatch you know, it's like Overwatch is doing its best, but it, there's like a lot of gaps in its like representation. And it's like your whole thing is that it's like this hyper diverse cast of characters. You should right. be making the characters like have every possible identity you can think of because that's part of the fun of it. So anyway, that's Apex Legends. I, I, I do want to play more of it, but I will probably not be good enough to play it for like a long period of time. <laughs> I'll just have to give <laughs> up eventually. learns like all like the exploits and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So there's a couple other things. We might not have time to talk about everything. I guess I'll just I'll shout out real quick here some anime that I'm watching, which we can probably loop back on in a future episode. But I'm, I'm kind of like sampling a bunch of stuff because I'm doing a panel at a convention coming up, which is Genericon, the college convention at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, where David and I used to go. And uh, it's the con that I used to run when I was in college. So... 
I'm doing uh, this is it, it's going to be this coming weekend. So it's the I think the 22nd, February 22nd to 24th in Troy, New York. If anybody is local and would like to come by and I'm doing anime burger time, my usual, you know, burger clip show. So I'm getting some clips for that. But I'm doing a new panel trying to theme it with the theme of the convention. So I'm doing a cyberpunk in anime panel. And so I've been kind of cramming a bunch of cyberpunk anime or like things that I would roughly classify as cyberpunk, you know, just trying to like watch some stuff I haven't seen before and piece together, you know, some it's going to be like partially history and partially talking about like interesting cyberpunk stories in anime. So I am watching Psychopaths finally, which I know you've watched. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm going to finish Back it. Back when I used to watch yeah. anime. You don't know. You don't think you're going to finish it. I don't think I'm going to finish it in time for Genericon. Uh, so I'm watching uh, like part of it just to kind of get a feel for like what the story is generally about. Yeah. Now that you've told me that, I don't know, Evan. I think the second part is probably better than the first part. So if you're just going to watch the first part, you've only really seen half the show. The second part of the first season? I thought I heard the second season people didn't yeah. like. But maybe I'm confusing that. With no, no, no. It's fuck okay. the second season. You're, yeah, it's the, the second half Got of it. the of the season one but yeah psychopath is pretty cool i watched the first episode back when it aired but i never kept up with it and it's definitely like i could see how they were really going for it being the spiritual successor to ghost in the shell it's like a production ig show and it's kind of that same mm, sort of another one cybernetic of cop sort of thing it's good it's not, i guess they're not like totally cybernetic but it's I don't know. It's going for a similar thing where there are these like somewhat cyber enhanced cops in this like, you know, future cyberpunk society. But in this case, it... I thought that the point was like that the one guy had like no none of like those augmentations. That's true. Yeah. But they're all using the like the special guns that check people's like, you know, psychological profile, which is the whole yeah. basic premise being it's effectively like minority report, right? It's definitely pulling from Minority Report's like concept where it's everybody has like a crime coefficient that determines their like propensity to commit a crime. And basically the cops, this is like wonderful. The cops can just uh, just <laughs> arrest you or maybe just kill you if you are likely to commit a crime, even if you haven't committed one yet. And mm. uh, it follows the, yeah, basically the police what could go wrong does that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So the part that I'm at in it at the beginning, it's like not super critical of that policing structure, but I'm sure as it goes on, it will be because it's really hard to tell that story and not and just be like, yeah, this sounds good. This is how society should work. But I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about it in the panel partially, obviously, just because it's like a pretty well-known show that's worth talking about. I think a lot of people have seen it as well. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, I'm I'm very interested in a lot of the not even just the stuff with like the policing, but a lot of the other things going on in society about like how things, you know, how people interact with technology. There's sort of like holographic clothing changers and things like that, or like rooms can be redecorated holographically. Like there's interesting little world building bits like that in the show. Yeah. It's like, uh, what was it? Blade Runner 2049 where it's yeah. like the, the gross gray paste that they eat just project a little steak over it and it's all good. Yeah, it's actually a lot of the ideas in it seem kind of similar to the ideas they explore in that Blade Runner movie. Isn't, isn't that just such like a human thing to do as well? It's just like you just decorate a turd with uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with little 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 bells and whistles. 
The other one I, that I watched a little bit of, and I, I'll probably finish this because it's pretty short, is uh, the OVA for Armitage the Third. I watched the, like, mm, I think wow. I, I think I watched the movie compilation of it like a long time ago in college or something, and I'm just like watching the OVA just to rewatch it and remember this show, which is not that good. Uh, I think it was one of those <laughs> shows that got it was kind of you know available on VHS and old anime fans would be like oh cool it's you know cyberpunk and it's i mean have you seen what this character looks like david because it's very like uh, what you would expect from like a 90s anime vhs you had a poster of it yeah i think i had a poster in college yeah yeah she the design is like <laughs> it's, it's like kind of i would almost say it's like good in that it's somewhat well designed but it's just completely tasteless and stupid <laughs> yeah it's like she's just wearing hot pants and a bikini top and like a tiny little like leather jacket and these like wraparound sunglasses <laughs> i would i would describe that as like the alternate costume that you get after beating a game yes, and you can like dress up your character in like something ridiculous she looks completely ludicrous in the show and and like your sort of like point of view character is just this like very boring detective dude like broad shouldered looking detective guy <laughs> and he's just like oh well i'm just here to do my job and she's like hot-headed and whatever right but she looks like no one else in the show and she, <laughs> she's like half naked and like nobody else is phased by the nudity no nobody mentions it <laughs> she like shows up oh, to yeah. work in that outfit and nobody says anything about it i mean i guess do you but also like it's very obviously like a male gaze thing right like it's not like she's she's living her best life it's like she's just kind of there for you to be like she's pretty hot huh right also just like the the script in the first episode i had forgotten how completely overwrought while while having like nothing to say the script for the show is uh where it's like oh it turns out she's a robot by the way spoilers of course she is and uh (laughs) at the end of the first episode she's just like has some whole like soliloquy about like i have to fight you because of my destiny because i too am a robot (laughs) it's really bad (laughs) but some of the animation's pretty good because it was like back in the day when even if you had like a super shitty anime about you know hot pants cyborg cop lady you would just have like you know enough money and enough good animators to make it look good <laughs> Which is cool, actually. Like that—that's what I appreciate about like Neo Yokio. Is it's like the new version of like I have a bad idea and too much money. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Neo Yokio doesn't actually look good, but but the same idea about having too much money. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna watch like it's only four episodes, so I'm probably probably gonna finish it. But I don't—I didn't remember it being this bad when I watched like the compilation version of it. Well, that's why it's the compilation version because it takes all the best parts. Right, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, once you watch that raw, unfiltered, like mid '90s OVA quality, I can't, I can't imagine that it's all gold. Yeah, <laughs> this is very much like at the the middling level of being like it's not terrible. It's just sort of like watchable and lame, but it's it's not your sort of like funny bad show like the Humanoid or like Sword for Truth or something. Oh well arguably some of those are less funny to me than they are to you very funny to me (laughs) (laughs) look i'm a big fan of coffee david so i learned a lot about coffee i don't actually like coffee but i like them talking about coffee in a humanoid 
You don't even drink coffee. Shut up. All right. We got some questions. One of these is a leftover from one of our patrons on Patreon. If you give at least $2 a month on Patreon, you get to get put on our priority question queue. Pretty good deal. It's pretty good. So this first one is from Lauren. Uh, there seems to be a trend of niche hobby or profession anime, such as Honda-san, Harukana Receive, and Ramen Daisuke Koizumi-san. What niche thing would you want to see taught about in the anime? Mine would be smoothies or juicing. That's actually pretty cool. I could see that working. Juicy. But not like the smoothies are personified as anime characters, just like about people making smoothies. Oh, yeah. Like that, like where it's just like people just hanging out. Well, a lot of the school stuff is like that, isn't it? It's like four girls hanging out in a club room playing yep. light music. Uh, occasionally there's like a fifth character. <laughs> yeah. There's a manga I just bought that's actually about high school girls making uh, bonsai trees. Four of them? Yeah, like three or four of them. I think like four is a weird number, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like unlucky. Yeah. They're all going to die. But there's also like the four heavenly kings thing where it's... <laughs> <laughs> Are you thinking of a, of a niche hobby? I am. Evan? Yeah, or a profession. So like, I mean, I, I'm a programmer and I think it would be funny to see like a show about programmers. And I know like New Game has some of that, but I haven't watched New Game. Oh, New Game New Game's the one though where it's like uh, nothing bad happens. Yeah, it's like idealized in, like, game yeah, development. I don't like that stuff. It's like Shirobako where, you know, there's just, there's stress but there's nothing horrible or life lifespan shortening but gosh darn it i sure love making games huh right making making anime is just the the greatest job on the planet (laughs) (laughs) you know what i i recently watched high score girl oh yeah yeah like that that was a very good example of a specific period in time when people could go to an arcade and just play all kinds of 2D fighting games. Mm-hmm. And especially like some weird ones where it's like, it's not just Street Fighter 2. There was a lot of Neo Geo content and SNK and all that stuff. And you covered some Virtua Fighter as well. So as I really didn't care too much about the, uh, like the whole character element of it, but the game stuff in that was untouchable. So I think to go further with that, I would like to see uh, something where it's like uh, four girls uh, in a club that collect, I don't know, rare video games. Like they, they like like uh, <laughs> scavenge like the hundred yen bins <laughs> outside of that's, uh, Super that's Potato. That's a show for like called. you and Dave Cabrera. Yeah. And then, you know, the whole episode is like 15 minutes of, I don't know, talking about like Choaniki for Super Famicom. <laughs> And then the other one is talking about the uh, how like maximum carnage on the Mega Drive is eight hundred dollars. Dang, this is it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I could see this working. And it's like a, it, it's like a lot of these uh, a lot of these shows where it's like takes a thing where you know while while there are a diverse amount of people who do it, I'm sure a lot of it is like just grody like otaku dudes. But it's yes. like no, instead it's like yeah. you know four cute high school girls. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like it's initially like the three, right? But then there's like the one who doesn't know about like the wonders of rare game collecting, and then like she is introduced yep, by fate yep. to like to this group, right? 
And of course, there's going to be like the drunkard, like older sister kind of character, like that. Like but she's like an expert. Kind of supervises. All of it. Yeah. She's like, well, she supervises the club because she's the teacher, and she's like, she's the real deal. So we have another question from another patron. Uh, Lena Salem asks: Junji Ito was just announced as the guest at the Toronto Comics Arts Festival (TCAF). Any thoughts on his work? Oh, geez. Thoughts on At his work. At least David has a thought or oh, two. Oh, man. I I love his work. He is so good. He's the, to me, he's the, he's the master of, uh, of manga horror. I know he's like, not like ancient, like, I don't know, probably some of those guys from the 60s or 70s, but his, uh, pretty much all of his stuff is so good. Gyo. <laughs> I did watch the Gyo movie, which was bad. Oh. I watched the Uzumaki movie and the Gyo movie. The Uzumaki movie is live action from like I think oh, wow. 99. It's old. I, I read a little bit of Uzumaki. Uh, that was actually my introduction to his stuff. Really? It was the movie. Yeah, the movie. Um I don't even remember like how like it, I was probably somewhere online I got wrapped up in like, oh, check out this like crazy Japanese movie. And, you know, being, what, like 13 or 14, I'm like, yeah, show me that crazy shit. Right. Uh, Uzumaki uh, live action adaptation, uh, it's a little bit soft compared to the manga. Like, the manga is all about, like, uh, eating babies and stuff. So Can't do um, that in a movie, I yeah. guess. A lot, lot, lot tamer. <laughs> a lot tamer in the I movie. I believe I read the first and volume also, yeah. of Uzumaki, like, cover to cover in a bookstore in manhattan or something when i i must have been like a teenager Ooh. but i did that i did like the manga zombie thing where i just like read the whole book and then put it back on the shelf and didn't buy it <laughs> i definitely remember doing that with uzumaki and uh i did like it because i think i think i appreciated even though like i said before i don't like horror but i appreciated in uzumaki it's like just such a different kind of horror it's not like jump scares yes. or whatever it's just like weird disturbing stuff yes. yeah it's yeah it's like it's all it's like all in the imagery and the tension and what i really like about uh Jindito's work on on that sort of stuff is that it kind of builds up a story mm. of why and how all this stuff is happening and you know what like it how it changes perfectly normal people because by the end of uzumaki it was getting pretty mm. uh pretty pretty wild and it was mostly just the it was mostly just like the people actually it wasn't even like about the 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 thing that was affecting them it was right. just you know suddenly we're more afraid of the people that are next to us than we are mm -hmm. of the creature that we can't identify yeah so junji ito good enjoy your time in toronto buddy i can't believe that nobody's gotten him for like a north yeah. america like well a north american convention before this that like isn't in canada but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he isn't you know a one-off sort of thing because mm -hmm. I'd like to I'd like to see him. Uh, Lena also asked if anyone played the Resident Evil Two remake, but we just talked oh, about yeah. that, so yeah. Loved it. <laughs> uh, we have a question via email from your friend and mine, Inaki. I'm worried, <laughs> dear quote gamers unquote. In the previous podcast, Evan decided. Uh, I guess he's asking about uh, the Comey Cat podcast. Evan decided to take dear sweet David to task for his choice of pornography, despite agreeing to pick up things people wanted from Comey Cat. Sorry, Evan, but once you choose to mule at Comey Cat, you've lost the right to put other people on blast about their preferences. Signed, a concerned knock. <laughs> All right. All right. So I, I have to address this. 
Inaki, when I agree to be a porn mule at Comey Cat, I don't ask for payment. The only thing I get in exchange is the ability to put people on blast for their porn preferences. <laughs> right. That is my pain. I guess you did I guess you did shave off uh some layers of dignity through <laughs> throughout that uh throughout your three days there. I didn't um, I didn't ask for interest. It was nothing. It's all all I ask is that uh, I get to make fun of you. It's yeah, that's a that's a between me and Evan sort of thing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so that's that. That's my final word on that one. Alex Osborne, former Annie Gamers contributor, actually, now working over at IGN, asks, Alita Battle Angel thoughts, please. So that one, we are going to do a whole episode about it. So we will get back to you once that episode comes out. Also, curious to hear what you guys think about the news that Mark Webb is directing the live-action Your Name movie. Mark Webb of bad Spider-Man fame. Hey, wait a sec. I thought he directed... Amazing. Oh, I for some reason I thought he directed like Homecoming, but yep, amazing. Oh no, Spider-Man. you're right. Yeah, he directed Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man Two, the Bad Spider-Man series. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about this Your Name live action movie. Maybe we did because it's like produced by J.J. Abrams. I think we talked about that. He's a big uh, Mark Webb's actually like a big uh, music video guy. Huh. Well, that actually makes, works. <laughs> it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, that right? actually works a lot <laughs> for Your Name. Now that I said that. Yeah, frankly, if you want to like adapt Shinkai's directing style, just get a music video director because Shinkai just feels every time he makes a movie like he just wishes he was making a music video. So th- there's the other notable part about this news because they revealed that Mark Webb is directing. They also revealed it's been like hyper-Americanized, which is not surprising, right? So it's no more Japan, you know, it doesn't take place in Japan. Instead, the the rural character, what's her name, Mitsuha, is... Mm-hmm. replaced with a native american girl so they're like it's some dangerous ground to <laughs> tell this story on like i i don't know i haven't thought through exactly the the implications of that but might might be a little bit problematic i feel like <laughs> so it's like a white dude from chicago presumably maybe he's not white i don't know but like it's hollywood <laughs> so probably <laughs> and a native american uh. girl it says in a rural area so I don't know if they're saying that she's like on a reservation or if she is like just living, yeah, in some other rural area. I think there's a lot of politics there that are very different from, like you can't just map that one-to-one from the Japanese version of it. Yeah. Well, the Japanese version had that whole thing with the dance and there's like a custom or something. Right, but that is that was a Japanese custom. You know what I mean? It wasn't a native person's custom and then a like colonizer. That would have been like having the Ainu, having a character be Ainu or something, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It's just a very different, it's like, I'd, I'd be a little bit worried about that. It, it might like be able to work, right? I can see what they're going for there, but... <sighs> I think with the amount of uh, powerful white men in <laughs> exactly. media working in on this movie, really, you don't want to <laughs> hold on to hopes that shouldn't be there. Right. You got to. Yeah. I don't have a lot, lot of faith in, in these guys to do this right. Who's going to be doing the um, the soundtrack? Right. Who's the who's the American? Was it Rad Wimps? The All-American Rejects. All-American Rejects. <laughs> so, well, Mark Webb's worked with the All-American Rejects. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So, 
I mean, from this list of bands, he's got Green Day, Maroon 5. Oh, I think no. Maroon 5 is probably going to be a good 5, fit for that. Maroon 5, your name movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can get My Chemical Romance to, like, uh, get together again. This sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, that's uh, that's worrisome. We'll see how that turns out. Is this, like, a Netflix exclusive? Because... I don't think so. <laughs> I really... I was kind of hoping, like, you wouldn't have to force me to go to a movie theater to go watch this for an ironic podcast, but it's gonna happen, David. I really hope not. We we have to did do, we it. do a Your Name podcast. We did a Your Name podcast. Actually, we did one, and Old Takuno Radio did one Damn. at around the same okay. time. But we we are gonna have to do it, David. You know it. We always do these live action <sighs> anime things. Actually, I don't know if we talked about Ghost in the Shell. We planned to talk about Ghost in the Shell, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, better. We're better off for it. Whew. Yeah. Look, if if it all goes well, David, it might be as good as the Netflix Death Note movie. Uh, that's that's as what we were hoping for. Far, <laughs> that's as far as I'm thinking it's going to go. <laughs> thinking positively, it'll be as good as Netflix Death Note. It's pronounced Deathflix. Kimi no Nawa. <laughs> uh, all right, that is it for us. Before we head out, David and I are writing for Otaku USA magazine. What are you? What's your recent articles? You got manga reviews mostly. Uh, Witch's House and Witch's House. Who's on first? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Witch's House. No, it's Who's's House. <laughs> Who's the house? Who's house. Um, and you're gonna enjoy this one. The other manga from the Erased Guy oh. called. The kid I saw in my dreams, or something like that. That's a very similar title to the Japanese title for Erased, right? Yep. The town Apparently where only I'm I am big, not I'm, there. I feel like I'm a big deal at uh, OUSA now because I'm reviewing. And you should have seen this book. It was hardcover, Ooh. like very nice pages. Very good. Somebody, somebody, somebody at a. Uh, I think it was Yen Press. Somebody at Yen Press really cares about <laughs> uh, this release. Yeah. Apparently. Nice. Maybe it's our buddy Carl. Yeah, me, I've got my Evangelion feature coming out in the next Otaku USA issue, which I'm really excited for people to read. I rewatched Evangelion. I, I, you know, got super emotionally fucked up trying to marathon it uh, all for you so that you could read an article about it. I've got animeburgertime.tumblr.com where with some anime burger content david is streaming video games every saturday night at twitch.tv slash uwu small bean what are you playing uh we're finishing up mother three and i think after that well who knows maybe i'll try to i'll try to be like a resident evil 2 speedrunner and maybe you'll see me on hdq or something like that nice also some some recent uh, things. I think I forgot to mention this last episode, but I actually wrote my first article for IGN. I wrote a feature about the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie that you should check out. I'll link that in the show notes. And as I mentioned before, I will be at Genericon doing Anime Burger Time and Cyberpunk in Anime. So come check that out if you are in or around upstate New York. Hopefully it won't get snowed out this time. Yeah, hopefully my uh, panels won't get canceled because of the snow, which is what happened last year. As for this podcast, you can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official AnnieGamers Discord on AnnieGamers.com. Please come join the Discord, hang out with other listeners, talk about the anime that you're watching and the games that you're playing. We sometimes play games together. We played some Smash for a little bit. 
we should play more games hell together. yeah we also have a patreon support us on patreon.com slash gamers to help support our uh like hosting fees and uh we're, we're still you know working our way up there but hopefully it'll help us also buy better like recording equipment and just generally keep this thing going uh that's patreon.com slash gamers and uh, if you give two dollars you will get on the priority question list and if you give five dollars uh, then you get access to bonus content. We actually just put out a video showing off a bunch of the places that I went in Japan. Like uh, I have a video of like Nakano Broadway and some spots in Akihabara. So uh, it's a nice, you know, some nice companion content to go with uh, the podcasts. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions at podcast at anygamers.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm at sign Vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. David is at sign QX20XX, and Anigamers is at sign Anigamers, one word. We're on Mastodon, Vempo at mastodon.social, and 20XX at caro.ccsakura.jp. And finally, episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. We could always use a few more reviews on all of those services, or whichever ones allow reviews. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again in about two weeks. Good night, everybody. I rewatched a Marvel movie, David. I'm I'm ashamed mm. to admit it. I'm I'm surprised when you do it. Yeah. Be surprised was, when I do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't rewatch anything. I don't rewatch things that I think are like masterpieces. No, I rewatch. I rewatch stuff. I rewatched Interstellar. Oh for like god. The fourth or fifth time. Holy That's shit. That's a movie that gets better. That's a movie that gets better the more I rewatch it. I know you didn't like it that much. I mean, I I believe it could get better because I don't think there's much that could be worse than my experience of watching it for the first time. <laughs>